Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. Dude, I'm super happy to have this guest returning, is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's pretty He's, he's a good time. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So uh we have uh Major can I can I still call you Major? Yeah, he just got sort of retired on the end now. Yeah. Retired Major Patterson with us. Uh Chuck, tell us about um Major Patterson's resume for those who either don't remember or didn't hear his last episode. So <clears throat> our last episode is basically about him um in charge of Dark Horse. Uh I want to say uh what was it? I'm not even gonna do I'm not even gonna mess it up. I'm gonna butcher it, but it was Dark Horse. It, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it was uh Ronin three. So I was a as a yeah. We talked, I was a platoon commander back in those days inside, right. inside the Dark Horse battalion. Yeah. Right. right. And inside of there, we got into his crazy story, um, which was very uh it was good, but it was also pretty sad. And and we, we got into that. So if you guys haven't haven't listened to it, go check it out. Um and then we also kind of got into that at the time he was working uh, as like some sort of liaison with the studios and and making sure they don't fuck up uh, military movies or <laughs> yeah, but you know yeah, that's not like that's that. going to happen. They're going to fuck no, up that, no matter what. I, that's that's why I retired a major. I failed <laughs> like that. It was all good. So <laughs> that was that's his resume in a nutshell. I mean, he's got way too much to 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 even be able to. I'd have to look at his DD-214 and be able to go off of it and be like, okay, he's got this accolade, this accolade, this accolade, this medal, this for this, this, this. I mean, so. Uh, so now I I have a, a question because I I wanted to look up what you were up to. And so uh, you, without giving away where you're at or who you're working with, um, your current title is Mission Operations Engineer, but you're a civilian. That sounds like a very military title. <laughs> for a civilian so why don't you aerospace company <laughs> it's gotta be there's gotta be some secret squirrel shit right like that's like that's so vague vaguely specific that you know <laughs> there's more yeah. to the story so so welcome back uh joe how are you sir i'm great and um look i gotta be honest uh i'm just stoked uh you guys reached out to me and um i'm really honored to be in the presence of you guys i really support what you do um and i just i just can't say enough good things i'm, I'm happy to be back and i just um i hope i don't piss away this opportunity <laughs> no i don't, <laughs> I don't think it. we will at all um because <clears throat> we haven't we we talked about it the last time we haven't even begun to get into all the really like we we spent some time on on some bigger stories but we haven't even begun to just get into the little ticky tacky like Oh, this one time at band camp type stories that just inevitably yeah. flow. Plus I know you have tons of others, but more importantly, we want to talk about, we like to follow up with people. And and I thought what your, your, uh, <clears throat> your career is not in the military anymore. You're retired, but you are military adjacent. And you were saying that you're actually, you said that your actual title is mission operations engineer. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So yep, yep. what is, is that a, is that a bunch of bullshit to smoke screen a title or is that like, <laughs> how does that work right yeah, you know uh titles aside um basically what i do now is i work for a tech company called Andrel industries um they were founded by a man um, by the, <laughs> no no actually <laughs> ironically uh the, the furthest thing from that um palmer lucky is our uh you know the the creator owner and founder of our company and you know he started uh he invented uh oculus uh oh no shit oh i think i met him wait a minute wait a minute okay hold on time out time out i think i met him in a fucking uh, shit box uh um hotel off of uh i'm not gonna say where because it'll give away where i work but in 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 some vicinity of a city off of a major boulevard that starts the v and um and well, so I'll I'll say this I I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about too because I I'm pretty sure I read an article about the man who invented Oculus pretty sure I met that and boy. then said the Silicon Valley can go f itself took his money 
That's and then so started. Cool. I thought he was a tweaker. Uh, no, dude, he started. <laughs> he, 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 he he sold everything that he like. He sold all of his, you know, stake, I guess, in Oculus and Meta and then took his money. And against what everybody in Silicon Valley wanted him to do, he launched a military. He's Tony Stark, dude. He launched like a military badass, contracting <clears throat> business. And. I, maybe you can't say, maybe you can. The article that I read discussed virtual border walls using drone technology and artificial intelligence integrated with um, almost like facial recognition, motion tracking, all those kinds of technologies combined Judgment so that you could honestly have drone patrols on the border now that was his big his big company launch speech was about how that's where he wanted to get someday with this portable wall fence drone shit technology am i am i completely off base no you're spot on Um, wow reading i'm telling you i met him in a shitbox little motel where we would go to find a bunch of tweakers and and hypes and and try to arrest them and, and prostitution and we saw these two kids who kind of like were like they're either trying to score drugs or they don't belong here so i was like they're trying to score drugs and we went over to them because they were sitting there with their fucking door open and i'm like hey guys what are you doing and are you here to buy drugs straight up because they look like young college kids and i was like what the fuck this is really like this is yeah. not the time and place so they're either here for really bad shit or they just don't know where they're at and they didn't know where they were at. And they're like, well, we're going to stay here. I'm like, fuck, I don't know. You couldn't pay me to sleep in those beds. And I was like, what are you doing? And they're like, we we made this thing called an Oculus. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And they're like, it's like virtual reality. And I was like, really? That's kind of fucking cool. Let me see it. So they pull out these cases and they open it. I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be pretty fucking cool in here. Dude, it was like made out of cardboard and shit. It was the fucking first prototype. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And I didn't really think anything of it. And then I was like, that's fucking weird. All right, guys. Well, you're in a bad neighborhood. Close that fucking door. Don't come out until the morning. Come out in the morning and leave. They gave him some I think those were probably left. the guys that brought the Oculus to uh, no, they Joe's the, they made guy. It. Joe's guy. No, and I know. But I don't think I think your boss is the one who basically brought it to market. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like the company was oh, I wonder if I met him. On, the company was no, founded. I don't on, think so. On the backs of like you know, six dudes that were just wicked smart um, right. and wicked patriots. And um, the first target really was like law enforcement, uh, specifically the border patrol, um, to right. just, you know, get them the stuff that they need and circumvent the bureaucracies that get in the way of getting, you know, law enforcement and military, the stuff they need. Um, right. Cause there were elements of politics playing like, yeah. Oh, we don't want to supply this equipment to, to law enforcement because blah, blah, blah. There was some political, like, I guess it, government interference on the political side of things or political pressure that was causing some of these companies to not want to do business with law enforcement. Is that, you know, I don't know. I, I, that's not really my, my, um, okay. I guess expertise, but I can say this, I can say that, uh, the company, what makes Andrew a unicorn in a lot of ways is it, we have found ways. So like the government itself has put in place all of these bureaucracies and obstacles into funding and equipping and manning um, their federal agencies, including the military. And, right. um, and for good reason, right? Like it prevents um, fraud, waste and abuse and corruption and so on. But at the same time, like really... I mean, do you guys, would you guys prefer to use an iPhone four today or an iPhone, you know, 14? Right. It can be demoralizing to have the oldest, like you're like, I can go to the store and and, and at Best Buy, I can pick up better technology than the piece of shit the government just issued me because let's face it, the speed of government is not right. Like it, it, you have the worst shit because by the time it passes through committee, it's already outdated. Yeah. And then by the time you get it, it's outdated and then there's no, it's been purchased. So that's it. So like what we found a way way to do is, um, you know, um, circumvent that in ways that are legal and make sense to get the people, uh, the equipment and gear and tech that they need. That's competitive with our adversaries, right? Like we, like, uh, it does no good to be hunting for, 
you know, the first version of DJI drones because the newest version came out yesterday. And uh, our company takes pride in one building everything in America um, or inside, uh, you know, the the allies. Like, so there's like, it's very patriotic. The culture, I mean, there's a giant American flag when you go into the headquarters. The culture is meant to like recruit young college graduates away from Silicon Valley where they're going to be stuck doing engineer work on a, a factory line. And we bring them to our pl- place where we're like, Hey, build us the next cool drone. And they go to work and they do it and they build it. And you can, you can, I mean, like Chuck, you could give me like an idea. I could write, draw a napkin sketch and take it to these engineers and they'll have you a prototype by Friday. You know what I mean? Like, like in seven days, they will turn that idea into a thing. And, That's uh, cool, right? Because yeah, engineering so- is is not not specifically political, and so if you've got money and you've got ideas and you've got funding to get engineers to invent great stuff, it a lot of times they're like, we just want to invent the best stuff, and other companies, yeah. I think, probably maybe only support them inventing or or engineering, and especially the big companies that can pay and innovate, they're leaning to one yeah. side, yeah. Yeah, I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, we, you know, like you have like the big prime defense companies like Lockheed and Boeing and whatever, and you know they they subscribe a lot to what we call you know um, or what's widely known as cost plus contracting, where they get the order and then they they hire against that order and start building it. Whereas mm-hmm. we we identify a need, we build the thing, and if you want it, we've got it right. Like we can give it nice. to you tomorrow. Um, and so basically, I mean, I'm really speaking outside of my lane. I'm a, I'm a boot man. Like I'm like the brand new guy in the company. The company That's attracts, awesome though. Yeah. It attracts veterans like crazy. Um, I was going to say, do they hire vets? Cause I need, I'm going like, to need a job. I, I can't tell you, man, like <laughs> the, Jack's already the vet community inside Andrew is, is big, but it's not outweighed, but like we have more like super smart people, right? Like the engine, the electrical engineers, Fuck. electronic engineers and so on. They hire vets. Um, because we speak the military, we, we, our customers are the DOD, right? Like, um, and so we speak the language. We know what the young Lance corporal or PFC or specialist needs. Um, we have our network and our contacts and we can, you know, like my young Lance corporals that I had back in, you know, 2008, they're, they're first sergeants and sergeants major now. And, um, you know, we can, I can really like call that guy and be like, Hey, what do you guys need? Like, what's, what's the complaints that you guys have? And then, you know, we take that back and we build it. And um, yeah. And so, I mean, like the company's growing big time. Like when I got, I got hired. You're tapped like, into the community. Yeah. We're talking listening. offline. We're listening. And that's like the mission. The mission is always, the <clears throat> it's never the, it's not the Colonel. It's not the general. Right. It's not the politician. It's like, what does the dude on the deck need right. um, to kill that bad guy over there? Right, and, um, and that's what we we pride ourselves in providing, and it's so it attracted me immediately, and I, I applied and I got hired, and now I run the um I run the I'm on the Marine Corps account, which is fitting. Uh, sure, I, I run. Do they Marine have law Corps. enforcement accounts. Uh, we we work with the Border Patrol. The Border Patrol is actually our first and largest customer. Right, uh, that was the drone thing, right? Yeah, I mean, now we have up to shoot. I don't even know how many. Um, uh, pieces of equipment that we have aligned across the border but sure. uh, uh, it's, it's it's a yeah that's awesome expensive. that's and, crazy because uh, as soon as you started telling me who like like oh this company does love it. we used to be oculus i'm like I, nope i i've read the whole article about uh, how this guy abandoned uh silicon valley and basically took his money and backed his beliefs yeah and, he it's really cool. and that's that's why we're effective is his billions of dollars <laughs> he funds all of our stuff, we build it first and then we right. sell it. instead right. of waiting for someone to be like, Hey, can you build us something? No, we, right. He eats oh, the costs and that's um, that red tape. It's, it's, but it's innovation for the sake of innovation. And it's not like, well, we want you to build it because, okay, let's, I mean, we're going back into history, but that's what my brain does because I love history. You go back to the F-117, right? The F-117 Nighthawk, Desert Storm one, it makes its, you know, debut at its coming out party and it it's this amazing little diamond aircraft that people are like what the hell is this like a starfighter you know 
and house in Baghdad. Right. Just, just freaking ate their lunch. Right. This thing was amazing. Right. And nobody had ever seen the F-117 before, but that was like what? 1991. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cut to 19 late fifties, early sixties when uh, the U S government said, Hey, you know what? We should really develop a plane that has a reduced radar signature based on its shape. And they put out a contract and a bunch of companies came up with these half scale mock-ups. And this is, again, this late fifties, early sixties, they came up with this mock-up for the F-117 and the government said, here's a bunch of money, go make it fly. <laughs> well, that was them saying, here's a bunch of money, go make it work. But you're talking about, Hey, I wonder what we could do. And then you just come up with an idea you don't have to reverse engineer anything. You're just engineering. Yep. And and those innovations, are they come from a very different place. They come out of creativity instead of necessity, which I think is a much better place to pursue. Well, yeah. instead, of, yeah. instead of bringing up the, the, the sketch and the half fucking mock-up, they're like, hey, come outside. We want to show you something. Right. See that thing? We made it. It flies. Yeah. And they're like, right. cool. I want 20 of them. Right. Yeah. And then put some guns on it. They're like, cool. right. Well, right. watch this. It's got guns. <laughs> you know? We do that every week, man. Uh, actually, we have we have several test sites where our you know our engineers will build something, and then we have this. You know, we have lands where we'll go out and we'll test it, and then we'll bring like when we're happy with it, like hey, like you know, Marines or Air Force, come see what we got for you today. Um, and then who we can I send them? my resume to? Yeah. No, here's and what I want: the department that I want to work in. I want to work in the department that is the put a gun on it department. Where the engineers bring me a new piece of technology and I go, this is cool. What does it do? And then they finish explaining what it does. And then they go, awesome. Can you put a gun on it? I want to work in that department where I just tell people to put a gun on things. That's basically (laughs) every department we have. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's crazy. It's crazy when, you know, coming from a military background, going through like our warehouse where dudes are rolling around on hoverboards and, you know, skateboards. And they, you know, like they're just these wild uh thinking big big yes. brain people 75 percent of your uh design team has autism in some way shape or form and they're they're just fantastic they're brilliant smart. oh my brilliant. god i'm like i i remember like my first week on the job i was like hey um you know i know nothing i'm like uh hey i noticed that i work on the counter drone uh team i'm like hey i noticed like my camera's not as clear or whatever and like within within um you know, seconds, I get responses on my phone, like, Hey, we're going to get in there and do this and do this. And like in five oh, minutes, my system was like, scary. Right. Like, wow. Holy crap, man. Like, this is amazing. That's so yeah, they get off on it too. They love it. Yeah, they, they really do. And it's like, I think that's what attracts, you know, it's pulling people over, but I'll say this, like, um, you know, working here, the first thing when you get onboarded, you know, the CEO himself comes and talks to every single new hire and he makes it very clear, like you work in a defense tech company, like you have to be okay with that. Like, we're not going to have, we're not going to have these like issues where, you know, you don't want to make something that's going to be weaponized or whatever. Like we make sure that kills people be cool with it or get the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And then like one of our uh, chief strategists, um, he authored a book called kill chain, which is kind of like mandatory reading now for DOD employees. And it really talks about like, how do we, as a military, like there's too much information on the battlefield. How do we cut those links in the chain out between, uh, for the young guy, he learns of something and how long does it take him to kill it? And right. like, how do you shorten that in the greatest amount of time? And that's what our systems really do that's is so they cool. take, they take all of those, like, and if for those of you guys who like, you know, or any of your listeners who've been in combat and know, like, uh, depending on what level of combat you've been in, the like ROE, like rules of engagement or who, what your boss is watching or like, how do you execute the kill? Um, in some cases, it's really easy. Um, but in a lot of cases, when it's like high value targets, it's, you need a lot of stuff. And um, so like our job really that we look at is like trying to take all of that guesswork out and just be like, there's a target, it's verified, kill or no kill, you select it. And yep. wow. you take the red or blue kill. Right. And, uh, it's it's like having a delete key, only it's a smite key on your keyboard. You're like yeah. smite or not to smite. We can do either. Yeah. yeah. 
You it's know. pretty sick, man. I'm stoked to be smash or pass. <laughs> just count my blessings that I was able to transition smoothly. Wow, into lucky kind of work. And I don't I see did myself not, ever leaving. I did not think that I was going to get this fascinated by the update, but I knew that the title sounded cool, and that's awesome. I, I'm, he gave me a hard on. I know, right? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I wanna, fuck, dude, I want to work for that good partners. Yeah. Well, so for for those of you that are uh, veterans out there or for current or former law enforcement or anybody that's uh, looking for Captain America's LLC. (laughs) Fucking Tony Stark Incorporated. Tony Stark Stark Industries, if you want to work first. Anyway, so that's awesome. I I, I appreciate you coming back and I appreciate you uh, sitting down and rapping with us. I was actually, uh, the other day I was working with a um a police officer that i have to have you know deal with professionally and he's a marine and i was telling him oh yeah my buddy chuck marine and, and i knew chuck had been talking to him and i was like yeah you know love the marines joking around with them and then i told him a story and i said you know what's amazing is we we all give each other crap but there's a point at which you can give somebody the wrong crap if that makes sense and we were talking about how two cops and i was sitting there at breakfast when it happened these two cops both car partners working for the same agency one had been in the military and one had not and the one who had not been in the military tells my buddy who is a marine and a deputy sheriff a marine joke and i have never seen a cop come unglued that fast and be ready to come over a table and throttle his partner than to watch my buddy get super pissed off at a guy who's never even been in the military telling a very 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 like edgy marine joke and so i wanted to 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 commend the marines especially because apparently the marine corps bond is is even stronger than the bond of being in a car with your law enforcement partner. <laughs> you don't always like your partners in the car, okay? I know, I know. That's really <laughs> that's that's honestly probably more of what it was <laughs> than the other. Yeah. But well, I tell you this, like, uh, and I think this relates a little bit. Um, the the movie I, I have this movie brain. The oh, the me movie, too. The movie End of Watch. So I don't know what the perceptions are of this movie inside the law enforcement community, but the bond that happens hmm. between the two partners, right? Like I relate to that very well. So if that's like any part of accurate, um, it's 99.9% accurate. The the mean, point, yeah. the 0.1% they were missing is it's supposed to be a little, <laughs> they're supposed to be a little bit closer. Oh, so <laughs> it's, it's loosely based upon two partner officers in the Los Angeles police department. Uh, one of them, which I know, uh, pretty and it's well. incredibly accurate. Um, I love this movie. This is one of my favorite. This is one yeah. of my favorite movies out there. Period. Right. Yeah. It's it's but good. It, it's that movie accurate. does a good job of really showing the nature of battle buddies and their relationships. There and, and yeah. that's an interesting thing because I've watched a lot of war movies. I love war movies. I love cop movies. One of the things that I don't and maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've seen other movies that are both military and law enforcement. And I think none of them have, has ever gotten as closely accurately representing the battle buddy relationship as that kind of relationship did. Yeah. I, uh, I, I watch it and even showed it, you know, we like with my Marines, like my platoon sergeant, for example, like, that's how we view ourselves. So it's like, it's a better oh, yeah. like the end of watch movie about police officers is a great representation of how, you know, the military bonds are. It's not right. like you're watching a war movie and, and like, Oh, that's us. No, we watch a cop movie and like, that's us. Um, right. Yeah. I really, really um, got it. It's a heartbreaking movie, but it's also great. Like when they keep calling the boot, the boot, you know, it's like, right. Like, Oh man. Like, yeah. That's what's cool. That's that's old school, but it's also, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of veterans get into law enforcement, but a lot of veterans get into trouble too. Like it's not, I mean, right. it's a smaller percentage of veterans that get into law enforcement than it is that of veterans that get into trouble. However, 
That being said, law enforcement is still a small percentage of the population. So veterans make up a large percentage of the police officer culture and population. So I think there's a lot of that crossover where, you know, and, and part of it's just culture, but also part of it's the nature of what we do. You can't, you know, no atheists in a foxhole, right? right? You can't do what we do without seeing the darkest of humanity. And then you have to employ these tactics, these, these relationships, these bonds with the other person. Your wife hasn't seen that shit. Your kids haven't seen that shit. And if, if you had it your way, you would make sure they never saw that shit. Right. But your partner's been right there next to you. And so you can say some of the funkiest, nastiest, most insulting, darkest shit, because you know, it comes from a place of love and other people just would, their heads would explode if they had that, kind of relationship with somebody right yeah 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 that movie affected me in so many ways um as it brought back memories from afghanistan combat right like mm, right uh, even those on the streets of la is just like and then it also highlights like what a lot of your friends are doing like the battles that are going on with like cartels and things like the right uh it, it all almost does like a disservice to recruiting because it's like holy shit that's like a you got to be ready to go to war, man. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause at the drop of a hat or, you know, p- pin drop, like the drop of a pin, you can fucking be in the shit at a fucking yeah. stoplight. You could be in the shit in the thick of it just on a regular, like loud party call. Like it could be yeah. any call can turn into that. And so it's like, you're always wired tight. You're always hyper vigilant. <clears throat> you know and then you know in really busy areas in law enforcement it's like you're not it's like in the military you go on a deployment you go on a deployment in the marine corps it's like six seven months um and in longer cases it's like eight or nine but in, in the army it's like 12 13 14 months but in these big agencies it's a deployment every day for 12 hours or 10 hours you know it's yeah. and it's in dangerous fucking locations dangerous areas and you have to have that talk every day if you're with a new person like hey this is what's going to happen if it goes down this is where my gun is this is where my backup right. is this right. is where my rounds are this is where my backup rounds are this is where my go bag is this is where my tack shit is this is where my rifle is you know this is where my extra rifle rounds are this is where my tourniquet is this is where my other tourniquet is this is where my mm. ifac is you know and it's like these things and it hey if and you have these conversations and they get really fucking dark and you're like hey if for some reason someone has a gun to my fucking head take that fucking shot right yeah. you know it's like you have to you have to have these talks or you're like don't fucking take it because i don't trust you you're gonna shoot me and yeah wait, you that's your mean? car partner so that's really like who am i sitting next to and then the ones who have been through the shit together they're the tightest bond uh, they have the tightest group of officers that you'll ever meet. And, you know, and some of them are in law enforcement and some are, or some are vets and some aren't. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a fucking deployment every single time. And I've never really said that. I was like, eh, hey, whatever. And then I was talking to a Marine Corps buddy of mine and, you know, I was telling him where I work and, you know, whatever and the shit I've been through. He's like, fuck, dude. He's like, you've seen more action than most of us because that's a deployment every fucking day. Like you're constantly getting in the mm-hmm. shit. And I'm like, Yeah. You know, and I, I never worked like, I, and I didn't work like really crazy fucking areas because it was just really far for me. And I were, I, you know, did my training in some in pretty nasty area. But and, even the but, even the areas yeah. that you did work, and I'll say that you're you're right. I mean, they're still bad. That I've worked some my, pretty shitty right. areas. <laughs> but I will tell you from personal experience, Joe. I I think that you will know what I'm talking about. Uh, Al Mamprey, who was the medic portrayed in band of brothers he was in the 101st airborne easy company in the scene where his lieutenant goes down in the field under sniper fire and he goes out and bandages bandages up his lieutenant in the middle of the field right that's the scene that they show in band of brothers well i met that man Hmm. and i sat with him for a minute and and i chatted with him and and i said uh you know it's an honor to meet you sir and you know talked about his service and and he said, oh, did you serve? And I said, no, sir, I didn't have that honor. Um, I'm actually a police officer, a uh, retired police officer. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, well, thank you for your service. And I said, no, I mean, what we do is nothing compared to, he goes, no, 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 no. You're thinking about it all wrong. And I said, what do you mean? And this man says to me, he says, my deployment was three years. My war was three years. Yours is 25. Yeah. 
And yeah. I never thought of it that way, but I yeah. think that Chuck brings up a valid point. And I think that's what you're talking about, Joe, is when you see car partners develop that level of bond and you recognize it, it's because they develop that bond over the course of having been deployed together for however long they've been stuck in a car dealing with radio calls. Yeah. Yeah. And I can only imagine like, um, you know, like, like what Chuck's talking about, like you go from zero, you know, from white to black heart rate wise. Oh yeah. And um, so like, at least on a, on a military deployment, like when I leave the wire, I'm already elevated, like in a yellow, you know, like I know some shit could go down, but like, I'm not sitting at a stoplight, like having like bullshit with my buddy. And then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose, which, you know, plays, plays, um, you know, does a, does a, a mess on mental health, you know, like that's, that's where like those, those cases come from when you're relaxed and then all of a sudden hell breaks loose because then after that, when you're relaxed at home or in church or wherever, um, you're thinking you like, um, so I mad respect for the law enforcement guys like there, they have a harder job than the military had in, in combat, um, in the last 20 years. Cause it's like, and then like, how do you fight like me just fighting complacency with my guys in a six month deployment, right? Like, how do you, you know, like, Hey, we've been on three patrols and haven't been shot at keep, you know, like don't get complacent well, right. 25 years in a cop car, you know, and maybe how many traffic stops. Yeah. I was just right? about to bring yeah. that up. Yeah. Cause you can't stay it, hypervigilant. Well, that's, ex- they tell day. you, you don't want to be hypervigilant. That's the symptom no, of but, PTSD. Like, you, and you're like, so, okay, but it you don't also, it you also don't want, off. right. And you also don't want tombstone courage or right. you don't want to be so fucking complacent to where you're like, ah, oh, it's just another day of lame patrol. And you're just right. fucking out there. Next thing you know, you get fucking smoked. You know, look at those, look at those two deputies, uh, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. They were on an overtime shift. I believe they're on an overtime shift in uh, South LA. Um, or the southern part of, of of LA that they patrol, and they were at I want to say a busway or some fucking rail place just parked because they're doing like like an overtime shift, right? And they're just chilling down there, and then all of a sudden this this asshole comes up and opens fire on them, and the female has to place a tourniquet. She gets shot. Her partner gets shot. Fucking damn near mortally wounded, and she's fucking shot. To but shit. this is she the same shit that happens in combat. Tourniquet. Yeah, and and you're like, holy fuck, like. And I can't tell you how many times you, you go on like an overtime shift or you're you're out there and you're just like, oh, my God, just let it be fucking over. And unfortunately, you're complacent because you're just like, I'm so tired. I just want to go home, you know, or you have a, you've had a long day at court. Now you have to go to work and you've had three hours of fucking sleep and you're on two bangs and you're about to drink another bang or a rock star <laughs> or fucking whatever. You know, you're four rock stars deep and you're having Yay, the jitters and you're like, I just want to sleep, dude. Yeah. And it's like you can't you you end up becoming complacent and it's it's you have to recognize that but you and and it's hard to to recognize it when you're in it and you're like i'm fucking complacent right now but it's like cops are in my in my opinion a master of multi-fucking tasking because they can be you know shooting the shit with their partner but then they're scanning constantly and you see that so often when they're not at work especially when you have family members who are close Mm -hmm. to your friends and you're out and about and they're just fucking constantly doing this and I've seen some forums and stuff like that where they're like, oh, that's fucking stupid for you to sit with your back behind to the door. You know, or if you if you can't sit with your back to the door when you're with your family, you're just you're you're fucking stupid. And I'm like, no, dickhead, you work a podunk police department where you don't get involved in anything or haven't ever been involved in anything. And you you have guys who are like, I can't put my back against the door. I don't know if what's going to happen because I've seen the worst of humanity time and time and time and time and time and time again for years. And you're like, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not placing myself in that position because you have seen the shit that happens when people become super duper complacent, even on their days off. So it's like this weird quasi thing where you're like, you're somewhat complacent, but at the same time, you're so elevated all the fucking time that it's like this weird middle ground that you're Well, so imagine if you on. were deployed for 20 years to the same area, You'd be fine. Right? you were That's deployed for 20 years to the same area. <laughs> right? Your FOB or your base or whatever it is, right? And it was always in a hostile area, right? For 20 years. And then you were told, hey, you can either live in the same town where your FOB is, or you can live, you know, 20 to 25 miles within commuting distance to your FOB. And that's where you keep your family. So the bottom line is 
we don't want you any further than 30 miles away from your fob or from your deployment at all times. So even when you're on vacation or on your days off or you're at the grocery store, you're still only going to be 30 miles away from where you deploy. Right. Right. Yeah, dude. I, I, yeah. (laughs) At least for where I've been. No, thanks. (laughs) Now, exactly. Now there's a difference, but here's the thing. There are areas of Los Angeles. There are areas of New York. There are areas of Miami. There are areas of Chicago and through the different eras, it's gotten better and worse, right? Like we're experiencing an unprecedented level of, violence against police officers but here's the thing when it was the civil war and guys were out there with the you know trapdoor springfields and they were out there with you know their remington army conversions and they were all this stuff and then the civil war was over and it was the wild wild west and all of a sudden you had the guys who were civil war veterans in law enforcement and then the other guys who were civil war veterans that hadn't adjusted as well were robbing trains and robbing banks Right. Mm-hmm. But it was still those same ambush civil war tactics that the gunfight at the OK Corral or, you know, all the gunfights on Tombstone, the streets of Tombstone or Dodge City or Wyatt Earp or any of these guys, they were all bringing their combat experiences from the good side and the bad side. Mm-hmm. And then you got the roaring 20s and the 30s with prohibition and gangsters. We had a guys that went to World War One and they came home and they had knowledge of machine guns and automatic weapons and they either went bad or they yeah. went good, you know? Yeah. So it's been the same struggle. Since- you see that you see that now with common like with uh OAF and OEF uh, uh guys who went over in the army and they did their time and they come back and then they either they either got into law enforcement or there are some that you know were kind of quasi near the gangs or were in gangs. And this is very taboo and dark and no one likes to talk about it, but mm-hmm. there are been gangsters who have gone into the army. Yep. Into the Marine Corps, into all branches of the service, learned skills came out to better their gang. Yeah. It is not, it's, it's, it's not like it's, it doesn't happen. It happens very fucking often. Yep. And you see that, especially when shit gets caught on camera with gangsters, because you're like, what the fuck? Are they in a diamond formation? Are they in a staggered column? Are, what the fuck? That looks like a patrol. That looks like a patrol formation. And then, oh, oh, now they're coming on target. Oh, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like you're like, whoa, this is. And I've seen this shit firsthand with a group of gangsters doing a hit on someone from across the street, and they go in from a diamond formation to all online, fucking blast a dude, and then just fucking go back out into a staggered column, hop into a, a getaway car, and bounce. And you're like. Yeah. Whoa, that was fucking military tactics right there. I've ever fucking seen it. And it happens so frequently. So it's still constantly going on. It's it's wild. So yeah. Joe, what are some of your best? Because we're talking about the, the similarities. We're talking about a lot of things involving really the similarities really. between deploying and being in the military. But what are some of the moments that you can remember that watching end of watch kind of reminds you of like like you know obviously there's there's all these great brotherhood moments so we always focus on like oh my god i was in this moment in the shit or this guy was on this donkey was on fire or you know all these crazy things that have happened but sometimes we forget to think about the fun moments and the right the, the awesome moments so what are some of your fondest memories from your time in the marine corps Oh man, I've got so many. Um, if I'm going to, so first off, there's a part, I'll hit the end of watch comment. Like there's a part in end of watch where um, I want to say they're at, they're at a wedding or whatever. And um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is bringing up something and, and dude's like, no, 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 shut up, shut up. or, Or no, the wife is talking about like some kind of sex thing at the wedding thing. And, and, um, I don't know, they just kind of get in trouble, but um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm having a hard time recalling the whole scene, but um, no, it's they're they're, they're yeah. getting grossly drunk and flirtatious with each other, talking about like like their yeah. sexual relationship and preferences, and doing each other's wives and doing each yeah, other. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. But they're laughing their ass off, drunk as shit, and their wives are like, "Oh my god." Yeah, and I think the wife is like giving. I think she's a little tipsy, and she's giving advice to the newlywed. Right, like this is uh, like, this is what gotta, it is. Got to keep it because they get petitioned all the time when they're on the streets. It's like that little moment is like those that happens with us all the time, where it's like, you know, uh, you know your buddy better than 
better than um your wife knows your buddy you know and right uh, so th- th- those kinds of just right out of the movie and then all the shit talking that's in the cop car that you see like, my platoon sergeant and i we'd watch we he's the one that showed me the movie and uh i was like dude this is us man he's like i know it's fucking great because he was <laughs> He's like right out of like Tijuana. I'm like right out of Oklahoma. It's like we're like the exact characters, <laughs> right? <laughs> Crazy yeah. white boy, yeah. the logo. So yeah. now let me ask you this then: When you saw that, um, and this just occurred to me to ask you this: When you saw that, and you saw the relationship between the two cops. Did you were you surprised at all about the idea that cops would act like this? Were you like, are you fucking kidding me? Like. We, no, was, a little bit, yeah. Like I, I was a little surprised because I was like, "My God, they're just like us!" Like, uh, like this is it. It made me want to be a police officer. To be honest, because I was like, "Yeah, I can, yeah I can, that'll I, do that. I can, <laughs> I can have this, this feeling and this bond with this dude." Like you know, people that that don't do the kind of work that we've done um, don't understand like how close you can be with another male, right? Like, yeah, the fact that you can say "I love you" to another grown man and, right. and not bat an eye and right. Just that kind of bond like you don't get that i think we as men like look for that um yeah everywhere um, for sure it's whether you had a brother or a father in your life or not um you can establish that kind of like close emotional bond with another male um and, and i'm sure it's the same for females um on you know in the police with another female like a senior like you know i think it's just a respect and love it thing it doesn't have to be um but like, but I think me, male female it happens too. If you yeah, meet the true. right female or or the the right, yeah. you know, like like I've met women in law enforcement that I'm like, fuck yeah, bitch. I, when <laughs> when I call for help, I want you to be the bitch that comes yeah to help. Yep. Yeah, you I know, know exactly what you're talking about. And it's like, uh, yeah. So I I think if we're you know we're talking about that you know specific movie and like me being on the Marine Corps side. Um, I actually watched it when I was in Afghanistan with my platoon sergeant. And it's like. Uh, mm. Like, man, like it reminded me that humanity is good. So it's like, I always go back to this, this, this idea when I, you watch the news and I, I, without being on a soapbox here, but like, you know, like I, I grew up in Southern Louisiana and Oklahoma and I go to Marine Corps boot camp, and uh, my bunk mate is a dude from like the inner city of Compton, never interacted with white dudes before. Um, you know, I grew up in Louisiana, but so like I like interacted with all sorts of people, but um, we bonded and 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 then like as now I'm 43 years old and I'm looking back and then I look think back to my infantry time and like all the different ethnicities and races and religions and all these things that are on mainstream media that are so right. good. And I'm like, man, if you guys would just shut the fuck up for a minute and just re- like you have these are first world problems because, yeah, well, yeah. because when I, yeah. when I was deployed or any time, any of my time in the military, um, my closest people didn't look like me at all. And we didn't even necessarily have the same political uh, beliefs or religious beliefs. And we would take a bullet for each other and, and without batting an eye. And what, what is it about our profession that breeds that I think should be researched and investigated and, and communicated to our population because like i see all this stuff on the on the news but you know with all these and i'm not discounting racial issues and and um you know male female stuff but it's like uh from a from my perspective and from my standpoint i was exposed to the best in human nature even in the middle of the chaos of war where people are trying to kill each other they weren't trying to kill the black guy, the white guy, the brown guy, or gal. They were trying to kill an American, and right. we, we didn't. We were trying to kill the people that were killing us, regardless of what you like. It was like it sounds so simplistic and brutal, but kill them know, before they kill, kill you. Yeah, and, and that it's that simple. And yep. in the process of that, right. we all, you know, humanity really comes out, and like the innate things that are inside of us. Um, really present themselves. And it's like one of those things where it's like, man, I really being careful with my comments. Like I really wish like people like the entire American population would have the experiences that we've had because we wouldn't be talking about this dumb, even though that's wishing like the most horrible, brutal things on people to expose them to like, you would quickly find that, wow, we are 
so similar in so many ways. Like we need to stop talking about all this bullshit and like well, solve bigger problems. I agree yeah. for the most part. However, you know, you're like, that would be like wishing the most hateful, hurtful shit on people. But I'm, I'm because I'm kind of an asshole. Um, I look, I look back and I go, Hey, you know what? Before the industrial revolution, before like, you know, machinery, you know, back when the like ox had to pull the plow and you had to sow the land, everything was hard. Everything was hard. Like you saw people die in your house. Like you saw things just get destroyed in front of you. Natural disasters were terrible. There was no red cross. There was no shelter. Like you had like 18 children because the the first 12 of them were going to die. Right. Life was hard. And when life is that hard, we as humans rise up and pull together. 9-11 is a perfect example. Perfect. Of that. Yeah, I was right. So I, I, I do. I honestly, with no reservations and without apologies, with the exception of to contradict Joe, I think everybody does need to see the evil, awful, nasty. Like you need to bond together and realize, you know what? The fact that your fucking Wi-Fi doesn't work in Starbucks as fast as it does in Pete's. It's not a problem, right? Right. The fact that the actress playing this character isn't actually that ca- like, oh, my gosh, this guy's playing a guy in a wheelchair, but he's not actually in a wheelchair. Well, it's called acting, motherfucker. And if that's what you're like, if that's what your mind is wrapped around, if those are your first world problems, if you're bitching about like the fact that you're wearing real fur instead of faux fur, well, you know what? You have the privilege of bitching that you're not freezing your fucking ass off on the tundra. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, or what I, pronouns you're going to go by? Oh my god! So, I honestly think that our lack of necessity, our lack of struggle, our lack of 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 you know adversity, is actually making us so lazy and so we're awesome. making up shit to be mad about because we have to struggle against <clears throat> something. Right. And yeah. when, when life is no longer something we're struggling against, all we do is we struggle like, like that literally pissing into the wind, shaking your fist at windmills, like fuck you. And you're like, no, dude, seriously, you, you don't have it that bad. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. No, dude, I, I am on board with all of that. It's, um, yeah, but I mean, like, what's the solution? You know, it's like, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. But I'm you gonna, and I have it. I, you and I have the solution. Like, we could seriously. I think people should go the into next... the military, right? Mandatory at least two, service. At least two fucking years. Come on, okay. Don't be a. Pussy. How about this? How about years this? You don't even have service. to join the military. You turn eighteen. You got to either join a church mission, an approved like nonprofit church mission program, where you go to fucking Botswana and you build mosquito nets and huts for people that don't have clean water oh, that's good yeah, and yeah. you do that for fucking two years right a real m- church mission or you fucking go to habitat for humanity where you build homes like affordable housing in the united states for poor families or you go volunteer at a soup kitchen for two fucking years or you go get deployed to a foreign country in the military for two f- but regardless whatever you have to to actually dedicate two years of your life when you turn 18 to serving someone other than your own fucking self. Yeah. Well, you just hit my thesis to my kids, which is the exact guidance I gave them, uh, which is like, you don't have to join the military, but um, I've raised my kids with a servant mentality to the country in which they live in. And so if they decide to go to the military, great. Um, if they decide to be a postal worker or a police officer or a fireman, it's, there's many ways to serve this nation. Um, right. Um, but the servant mentality is important to them. So, right. It's it like they're taking, service. yeah, it seems like they're taking <clears throat> that path. So, we shall see. Now, <clears throat> since we've been talking about this, it's kind of heavy. Um, what is, real quick, rapid fire. What's one of the funniest things you've probably seen one of your junior Marines do? Because we, mm. I know we do some dumb shit. I can tell you one of mine when I saw one of my junior Marines do. He fucking chased me around his fucking barracks room with a shitty. He shit on his 
fucking hand basically he had fucking <laughs> shit on his his toilet paper and chased me around and we really couldn't go outside because we we're trying to skate and we we're trying to lay low to have an extra long lunch so he couldn't be out on the deck of the, of the you know uh second or third floor uh barracks so we had to stay inside with the windows drawn and this motherfucker it was a collegiate goddamn wrestler so it's not like i can fucking bite him <laughs> off because he's a big motherfucker and he could shoot on me and have me pinned down man and that's just one of them. So what's one of the funny things that you've seen your junior Marines do? Cause they always do dumb shit. Well, I'll keep it in the spirit of some, al- some alcohol incidents, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first one that comes to mind is um, drinking, uh, drink, drinking on the beach, right? So Marines drinking on the beach, young guy. Um, As one does. Yeah. And uh, forgets to drink water, drinks a little few too oh. many um, makes his, you know, starts not feeling so well. Uh, long story short, he goes over to the the outdoor, like one of those concrete like bathrooms that has like the hole in the floor kind of. Yeah, uh-huh. it always smell really shitty. Yep. Um, he decides he's gonna he's gonna take a shit in there because he's not feeling good. He's either gonna shit, or he's gonna puke. One of the two. Um, and so he's in there sitting down, and people are coming in and they're just fucking with him because there's no stalls, right? So there are every group of Marines in there watching this dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, business. he finally gets tired of it cleans himself goes outside starts feeling sick again besides i'm not going back inside where everybody's gonna make fun of me and watch me take a dump um so he squats next to a building where some girls walk by and he's he's already taken a dump on the ground and some girls are walking by and he gets nervous because he doesn't want to his pants are still down he doesn't want them to see him taking a dump so his first reaction is i'm just gonna sit down and so he sits in his own shit uh, <laughs> on the ground and like waves waves at him as they walk by it's obvious what they're doing uh grabs bigger realizes in his drunken stupor that he's covered in shit now um makes his way back to the car uh they had planned to camp out there that night and he has no way to clean himself so he starts cleaning himself with his buddy's sleeping bag but he comes back to the car later that night to get the sleeping bag it's covered Jesus. in shit this whole oh. thing, this this whole story plays out. It's learned to me later. Um, that's uh, that just made me laugh. I mean, I can't. Like, oh my god, that's amazing. I, I don't know what you do about that one. There's plenty more. I think like, there's nothing you can do about it. You just, yeah, I mean, the dude just shit, shit on happens. Shit on everything. At least he didn't throw up on everybody. But uh, oh my god, that's oh. that was that was um, one of those like I guess you had to be there. No, no, I'm. I don't even. Real- Chuck would have thrown up if he was there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's pretty rough. But <clears throat> after I left, second uh, AA battalion, uh, I didn't camp with you in Courthouse Bay um, for all my trackers if they are on here. Um, after I left, when I was there, we didn't really have anything crazy happen. After I left, reading Navy Times or whatever, you know, or seeing the Navy Times on Facebook, these motherfuckers ended up getting busted like pmo busted um some people out there i think it was in track with time with like fucking kilo of cocaine <laughs> a fucking dead hooker oh and a fucking coffin rack a fucking alligator that's like the, the, the plot <laughs> the, of a movie the bathrooms and i was like the alligator okay we've caught some baby alligators and fucked around with them um so i'm like that's on brand but i'm like a fucking hooker in a or like a stripper we used to bring strippers in all the time, but none of them fucking died. We and we never got caught with any one <laughs> oh of them God. in our fucking coffin rack. I love that you're so, like, we never killed one. Jesus, so, what you rookies, so, I mean, amateurs? Like, I mean, I, we, I, I've seen some crazy shit happen, but no one died. Yeah. Have you seen shit like that in your in your battalions? No, probably not to that degree. Um, no, I think I've, I've seen some guys. Uh, well, on our way to Afghanistan, I'm trying not to get too old name drop names. Uh, on our way to Afghanistan, uh, we stop in Romania, and I, I learned about this all later. Obviously, um, like I can't name drop because they're like first arms and gunnies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we're on our, we, we fly to Romania. There's some kind of weird like civil unrest, um, something to do with the airplane. We have to stop, and we're going to stay in a hotel in Romania on our way to Afghanistan. Not a bad deal. Cool. We're going to be there all of twelve hours. Um, so we go, we get our rooms, and then the next day we fly out. I'm getting to Afghanistan, and um, my lead mortarman is just like, everybody's messing with them a little bit. So I'm like, what's the hell are they talking? So I, I get the story that he got to Romania, and he was eight, within 12 hours, he was able to find a hooker, um, get her to come to his room, 
And then like, uh, it's because like Morgan Freeman in the Shawshank Redemption, yeah, like get in like treated her like a princess, I guess. But like the 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 sexual things that were that he was discussing that you just don't do with a hooker kind of things, you know, like like you don't put your mouth in places. Uh, but he he had no shame. He did all these things, and um, he was proud about it. And oh I was like, gosh. "Am I supposed to like report it?" I like had no idea what to do with this information. Except I just, I just, bro, I, you got a herpes on your lip now. I, <laughs> Don't come near me. Don't come near me. Still proud about this. I'm like, I'm like, dude, how did you even know what number to call? Like, oh my gosh, it, we got there at like midnight. Um, he found a way, man. Like you, you give you give a young marine like an inch. Never underestimate a marine and his penis. <laughs> I'm telling you, mind blowing. They used to have competitions for hogging. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I remember the whole man. hogging stuff. I remember these. Uh, this made me think about this other one. Like we did some training when I was a young, like Brant, first lieutenant, still in infantry school, and we had the uh, British Royal Marines training with us, and they were so they were staying with us for like ten weeks, and uh, they they're like we had a, a break in the schedule and they're we're all going to go out drinking i went home to my wife and kid because i'm an older guy but they all went out and uh they do what's called swamp tree does this ring a bell it, maybe it does no, that. That. you go to a bar apparently and uh you got on the dance floor um and these brits would like find a chick that they want to dance with they'd all dance next to her and then they'd all pee on her feet it's called swamp tree and so they all got kicked out of bars um and you know, Northern Virginia area, very classy. Um, <laughs> super classy, super classy. Yeah. <laughs> we're waiting. We're waiting to do our raids um, training on Monday morning. We show up, like, give the operations order. Helicopters are inbound. We're gonna we're gonna board these helos and these these. There's like three Brits that are just like scratching their crotch and they're like not comfortable and they just bolt. And um, they ran over to medical to get their their bore punch get checked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they all had chlamydia. <laughs> good time with the wizard yeah so we dropped we dropped like three of the royal marines man those guys are wild just insane after every 96 or 72 and then we can get in we can get into the closeout but ever after every 96 72 you'd have at least one dude be like hey i gotta go to bas and like you gotta go to see the fucking wizard and he's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right oh man oh, you're up, so i got more but <laughs> well, that's that's what ends up happening with this kind of stuff is like somebody says something and inevitably it's like, oh, dude, that reminds me of this time. And then, right. Like, uh, like it just snowballs like that. You know, anyway. Well, Joe, we appreciate you coming back. And that's kind of why we leave this free form, because you never know where the conversation is going to take us. We wanted to follow up with what you're doing now. And it took us into some fun places, um, especially talking about, I think it's important to talk about uh, the similarities between military deployments and law enforcement, you know, shifts. Um, I think that um, there's a lot more in common. uh, And I, as I always say, we may not be on the same, uh, same team, but we're all on the same side, you know, and we're all trying to do the same thing. And, and, so for for those of you that are out there working patrol, um, you are defending the Constitution uh, domestically. And for those of you who are out on deployment, you are defending constitutionally internationally. And either way, you're both protecting the rights of American citizens. Yeah, we got each other's so, backs for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, now. Joe, did you have somebody, as, as you know, we allow our guests to dedicate the episode to somebody, and I'm not sure if you have a dedication or not, but if not, we can absolutely do one. Yeah, I think uh, I'll, I'll keep it vague, but um, I was kind of prepared for this. Uh, Chuck had mentioned, you know, the Afghan withdrawal might be a topic, and I'd like to dedicate the episode to the 13 that um, didn't make it back from that completely fucked up withdrawal that we did. Um which yeah. may be another another topic for another. No, I absolutely think that is another episode we need to have because that is a that is a an atrocity that, and I don't say tragedy. It was right. an atrocity. It was caused by human error. It was something that didn't need to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I can I can uh, offer my opinions obviously uh, another day, but um, I think uh, you know everybody. Who, I think just dedicating it to. Um, yeah, those thirteen uh, would make me would make me happy, and then I think those that, also in those organizations that are out there that support guys like me and you, 
Mm-hmm. Um, really focus on veteran resiliency, um, post-traumatic stress recovery, mm-hmm. um, ongoing issue. I've lost three dudes to suicide since the last time we talked. Oh, wow. And so, um, it's an ongoing battle that, uh, we all own and we all have to fight. And as, is for those of you that listen to locker room episodes as well, we just talked about, um, for two episodes, the art of self-medication. And we discussed the fact that the national rate of alcoholism and drug dependency is about 10% of the population. But when it comes to military and law enforcement, you're now talking about 25 to 30% of the population are involved in drug and alcohol use. And if you think that's not because of the job, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yep. So, well, I appreciate it. Mm. Will you come back? And I, I actually am really looking forward to spending some time talking about the withdrawal from Afghanistan and Chuck and I actually, this is something we, um, I think this dovetails nicely into what we were talking about launching. Uh, and as this show grows and as it expands, we've looked for other ways we can bring you content with locker room and, and, you know, now, uh, Chuck and I are talking about expanding into, uh, debriefing events, debriefing things that have happened and, uh, both military and law enforcement. So, We've talked about, uh, Chuck, one of the things we discussed is the recent headlines in the last year or so of uh, people who have been tased getting set on fire. Yes. <laughs> Something Spontaneous combustion spontaneous. or inadvertent combustion <laughs> inadvertent electrocution. Taser. <laughs> uh, that's one of the topics. But, um, you know, military uh, topics such as the withdrawal from Afghanistan and right. the um, way it was handled. Because I, I think there's a lot of on both sides, there's a lot of misconceptions about what happened. And what also is impressive is um, I think what people don't really know is the retired or inactive veteran community that jumped in and got involved and guys like Chad Robichaud and Tim Kennedy, and they raised private money and did private things to extract people. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I know of Chad and his organization. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get into it too much, but like, you know, we, we complain often about the government's involvement too much and things they shouldn't be involved in, but this is one of the things they should have been involved in. It's, and like and private they citizens weren't. are out there. Do, like, Oh man. So I I'll, I'll tease it with this. Like if I, you know, we do come back on and we talk through it, I'll talk through my feelings about it. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not um, educated on, I wasn't there, so right. I don't want, you know I don't want to uh, wrongfully. We can talk about public information. Yeah, but we won't talk we about the, private information. Probably a whole show, right? Like mm-hmm. the, I only know what you know that's on TV. Yeah, uh, but I can tell you how I felt about it and how my value um, as a human and how I'm morally wounded. Um, yep, right because of it. Um, well, I think we should get that schedule, Chuck. Let's do that as one of our topics okay. in our debrief episodes. So I appreciate that. And we will dedicate to those 13 rest easy brothers. We've got it from here. Um, so Chuck, you have an announcement sisters and Chuck, you have an announcement about uh, <clears throat> merch. Finally. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, and I think we got to get Joe one. We got to get Joe's size and send him one of the new ones. Yeah. I'll get him a size medium. Uh, yeah, dude, <laughs> clearly that dude. Medium. Medium. <laughs> medium. <laughs> so <clears throat> as you all know, been, uh, been, as you all have known, I've been working on, and Tom and I have been working on getting you guys um, some shirts. They were going to be tank tops. We shit the bed. It on didn't that happen in time. Whatever. But, well, um, I mean, supply shortages. You had, some, you had okay. a baby being born. All right. And, and there's been a lot of stuff. But um, what arrived at my house this week, which was uh, this will air on a Monday, so last week, uh, middle of the week. Um, a box, a box of shirts, um, mm-hmm. and some goodies inside of that shirt, shirt box. So they will be getting up on the website. Um, this design's like what a year in the making. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys have voted on it before. So you guys kind of already know what yep. it is, but if you forgot, um, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, I'll tease it with this ride lightning. Um, mm-hmm. I've been told by the guy who made it, who's a friend of mine, he goes, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And he's a cop and he's like, that's fucking badass. And I was like, awesome. And well, let's so we post got the picture. Goodies. Let's post a picture of the okay. design when the episode comes out. 
Okay. Yeah. And it'll, I'm going to be working on getting up on the, on the website. Um, so I'll, I'll try for, you know, the weekend right before this airs to get it up. And if it's not up and running, I'll, I'll try to make sure that at least by Monday it's ready to go. It's live and you guys can make your purchases and every, every and Joe, shirt, we'll send you the picture. Yeah. Every shirt comes with a special goodie inside that you don't need to pay for. And then there's going to be a reworking of pricing on the website just to uh, give you guys better um, pricings as it gets colder. Because as you know, we have Whoopi hoodies um, mm-hmm. still available and uh, they're taking up some space in my closets. And um, we'll send Joe I want, one of those. We too. want to be able to come out with new stuff. So we need this shit gone. Um, and we only have a few left. So um, yeah. And if you want to go support us, I normally have a full spiel, but because it kind of went off the rails, booking.warstories, if you want to come on the show, again, it's booking.warstories at gmail.com. That is the email. If you follow us on Instagram and Facebook, go to the link in the bio. You can reach my email, the booking email, Tom's email for the mailbag. Mm-hmm. If you want to you know, uh, send in um, like, hey, I, I would like you guys to talk about this topic, send it there. If you want to come on the show, booking.warstories at gmail.com. If you have a friend who you think would be a great fit for the show, booking.warstories at gmail.com. Um, you can follow us on our Instagram and our Facebook, uh, share our posts and our information. Um, our podcast is on all major streaming podcast platforms as well as on our YouTube. So please go and support us there and follow us there and uh, follow the podcast um, pages. And then we're always looking for law enforcement veterans, cops, firefighters, first responders, EMS, paramedics, any of you guys, corrections officers. And I would really like to get some dispatchers on here. And I think Tom mm. would too, because yeah. they deal with so much bullshit and, and they have such a high stress on environment <laughs> and it's all on the phone. They never get a lot of times they never get clarity. They don't get closure. They don't get clarity. So, yeah. Uh, I, like I think to, I got that covered. Uh, let me, let me see if I can get that covered. I would like to get some of those on. And I know Tom yeah. would too. So I've got one for sure. Booking.warstories.gmail.com. Thank you for the support. Stay safe. Joe, if you want to say anything, if you want to have any added words or messages to your to this discussion. Yeah, I think uh, just to you uh, and Chuck and then your listeners, you guys are our heroes. I mean, like the thing, what you're doing with this podcast is meaningful and it has an impact um, and it helps. It's like this was uh, this was nourishment for my soul to like just come on here and just bullshit with you guys about you know it's like there's some value in talking with brothers about brotherly things and i don't get i don't have a lot of people i can do that with and weirdly enough as strangers as we are like yeah you guys are inside that circle with me and i um i feel that weird how that happens yeah i feel very I mean, uh, confident to open up to you guys and um so i really thank you for that because it, it it does this is helpful for me well we dig having you and you're welcome anytime y'all you, you shoot us an email and be like hey can i come on we actually have to we have to introduce yeah. joe to matt and marco and have like a you know we because matt was enlisted in the navy and and joe was an officer in the marine corps and we'll have to just have to have them square off oh that'd be awesome <laughs> we'll have joe on the locker room and we'll because but funny. joe you got to promise if you ever come on locker room you have to bring the jokes I'm, i don't know if you've ever listened to our episodes but we always end with jokes and so I, I've got, I'll, I'll bring it. If I'm going up against the Navy, dude, I, I'll bring it. Oh, yeah. And he, he was in rare form. Fucker. Yeah, he was in rare form last week, man. I, we had to we sometimes one we of hit them. it on the head. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, Joe. We appreciate it. Crayons. That'd be good. Well, you know, I mean, come on. That's the easy way. Like, yeah. he's going to have to come with something more creative than that. If You know, there's a, the, the gay thing and the crayon thing. Like, those are the, that's the low hanging fruit. We'll get that out of the way, and then we'll get creative, <laughs> right? We'll go after blue camouflage uniforms in the ocean. Oh God, that's uh, he. Okay, but you know what? You two will hold hands on that issue because he he was in the Dungaree Navy, and uh, so he looks at the blueberries and just goes, "What the fuck happened to my navy?" <laughs> I remember those fucking stupid things came out, and I was like, "What the." F- fuck is yeah. this shit no he had a dog bowl and a cracker jack that's oh was, there we go oh, yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> anyway uh so thanks joe again until our next episode come home with your shield or armor